Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. I'm Emily. I live in New Oxford, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Gettysburg. I went to Delone Catholic for high school. And then for college, I went to Slipper Rock University and graduated in winter 2018. Just tell us a little bit about how you came to be diagnosed. So it was very, not something I expected. I was just very dizzy at first and like shrugged it off. I was like, oh, it's fine. Like that's not a major thing. But it did get to the point where it was it was difficult to see the computer screen and stuff like that. I went to work Monday through Thursday that week. And then Friday, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. I stayed home that day and went to an express care on Thursday night. And they diagnosed me with vertigo. And then they just gave me medication for vertigo, which obviously didn't work. I just got worse. And then I started having, I guess, more severe symptoms. Like I couldn't, couldn't walk anymore. Pretty much I crawled everywhere, which I didn't really go far. It was just mainly to my, from my bedroom to my bathroom. So not just a matter of a couple feet. I had my appointment afterwards and that doctor also said he was battling around like a whole bunch of things like, oh, maybe she has thyroid issues or like she could have vertigo to an extent. The only thing he really did was he gave me some exercises and gave me a new medication and was like, oh, if it isn't better night by next week, let me know. And he's like, worst case scenario, like there's something majorly wrong. Like he was thinking like, oh, she's dizzy. It's something in her head. We'll take a scan of your head, which obviously we never got to a week. The next Thursday, I think so, four days from Monday. And we're like, okay, we can't do this anymore. Like we have to go to the emergency room, which we sat in that emergency room all day because I guess they were so busy and stuff like that. So we sat there all day and I don't know, I fell asleep at some point. They gave me something, but I just woke up and like my mom and dad were gone and I have all these wires connected to me. I I didn't know what was going on. And so I just had to like, I woke up and I was like, I kind of have to go to the bathroom. Like me unknowingly, I just like pulled the wires out and I guess that set off some, some kind of alarm. And the nurse came in and she's like, why'd you just pull all that out of you? I was like, well, I, I just have to go to the bathroom. Like they didn't know what kind, but they were treating me for viral and bacterial meningitis. I was on a lot of antibiotics for that. Um, and that was IV. So I was in the hospital the whole time. I mean, I was conscious somewhat, but still like not with it. So after, after a while of just not getting better with that, it was three days or so. I was also at that point, they were like, oh, we don't have a neurologist. Like she needs to see someone who's on a video because, because we don't have anyone. And so my parents were like, no. So then I was transferred to uh, Hershey. And then they redid them at Hershey, like a bunch of scans, a bunch of stuff. And 
that's when they found the, they called it immature teratoma. The base was like my right ovary. And then it spread to, I don't all the, I, I don't know the scientific names for everything. I don't like the layer over, over your stomach or something like that. And some other places, I don't know. They did surgery like that night to take it all out, but obviously they still don't know. So they have to like send it all, like send all their, what they find out. And it took like a month for everything to come back. And they like determined, oh, she has, like they were able to determine she has the anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis, which is pretty much the tumor was sending antibodies to your brain, which is why I was so dizzy. But that doesn't just go away. And to find that, they have to do a spinal tap, which it's not awful. It can be awful if the wrong person is doing it. They're supposed to put the needle into this, not into your bone, but into this little cavity at the bottom of your spine. And then, like, I kept, like, I don't I don't know, kept moving and jerking and stuff. I know at that point when I was, at the very beginning when I was having those done, Like I was so like, I wasn't with it. I didn't, I didn't have like my regular senses and stuff like that. So like, I could like, even if you said like, Hey, sit still, we're going to do this. Like I I couldn't hear them. They had to have like people, people hold me down and stuff because I mean, at that point I was probably like a five or six year old. Like a lot of times I know they put young, young kids uh, under anesthesia to do that, which I don't know why they didn't do that. Cause I was very uncooperative at that point, like not by my own doing. For me, and then also um, our listeners, like you have a kind of an interesting story because you're a young adult that is living with cancer, but all your first symptoms like showed up as kind of dizziness, different things affecting your brain. And Mm -hmm. it turned out it was because of the antibodies that had kind of wrecked havoc on your whole system, in particular your nervous system. And so by the time they're doing some of these diagnostic things like spinal taps, brain hasn't kind of recovered from that yet. So you're not really in your right, quote unquote, mind. They sit still, you need to be kind of just cooperate here. You didn't have the ability to do that. Yeah, pretty much. And that continued for a while. And the symptoms are called hydroencephalitis. Is that right? Uh, anti. And MDA receptor encephalitis. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not a science person. I'm glad that you got that. Yeah. I know that you kind of just admitted too. Like you're like, I'm not a total science word person. So all those things that they me, some of them stay, right? Like, so is this the hardest part of your cancer experience? What you're going through right now? I don't know. It's different because... I guess a lot of people think like, oh, you're not doing treatment, like you're you're fine now. When I feel like especially now, like I'm a year out, it's still but still to me it's pretty fresh in my brain. Like you kind of like have time to process what happened. Like at the time you're like, oh, okay. But then you think like, oh, like months down the line, I was like, oh man, that like that happened. And I guess it kind of makes you think you're like like I've had people say to me, like just the other day, my dad said, like, do you realize how close you like we were to losing you and stuff like that? And I'm like, like, obviously in the moment, I'm like, mm, no, but like I do like now I do. There was a time where 
they couldn't they couldn't wake me up. They even did one of those, uh, what's it called, uh, sternum rubs, and that didn't do anything. That's supposed to that's supposed to wake you up immediately, and it I didn't budge. They were assuming like, oh, some like she was either like we gave her too much or I, I they don't know what happened. But eventually I woke up. I just remember like that day, like the hours after they had, I don't, I don't know. They had all these different like religious people come in and like do their blessings or whatever. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there. Like, I don't realize what what's happening. I just see these people. I'm like, this is so weird. During your diagnosis and even your early treatment, like you haven't recovered enough really to understand. I didn't understand. Oh, the first, the first few times. I had infusions. I I didn't really like graphs. Oh, like you're here for this. This is what, this is what's happening. And so is there someone with you helping to kind of navigate your treatment with you while this is going? Um, pretty much at that point, my mom was doing everything. I was at in, or, um, Encompass Rehab Hospital, which was like pretty much a place you go. It's kind of like a nursing home, but kind of not where it's only meant to last a few weeks until you're able, I guess, to more independently do things for yourself. So I was there and then I would go in between there and Hershey for stuff. So how long were you at the rehab hospital? I guess for August and like half of December or half of September, I was at the rehab hospital. So a little less than two months. And so you took a a, a leave from your work at the time you're you were working at yeah. a bank, which you, where you've been for a couple of years. Yeah. And I, I wasn't cognizant of that part. Like I had these moments where I did, I called my mom in the middle of the night and I was just like, oh crap, like I don't want to get fired. And so I called her in the middle of the night and I was like, work knows I'm not coming in tomorrow. Right. And I hadn't been there for like a month and they're like, yeah, they know. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, so what's up? And we're now a year, a year out. Is that right? Yeah, I was a year out from treatment in November. In November. And so a, a year is a big, a big thing to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because they didn't, they didn't know how much I would recover because encephalitis is very rare. So they don't have a lot of studies on like how people end up. And a lot of people don't, don't recover a lot. And they're like, she might only get like, not probably the most she can get back is 90% of her, I guess, like mental function back, which I do like, I consider myself a pretty, pretty cognizant person. So I, I do think I've recovered pretty well. Um, if anything, I just think my mindset is different after going through it. Can you tell us more what you mean by that? I guess after you go through something like that, it's just like you see other things that other people are worrying about. And you're like, that's not, that's not a big deal. Like people are like, I know we're in a pandemic, but like people are like, oh, I have like, just like little things. They're just like, oh, I have this cough or, oh, like. Like my, my arm kind of hurts or just something, something small like that. Um, and you're like, like you want to be sympathetic, but you're just, you're just like, oh, that stinks. But like at the same time in your head, you're like, that really doesn't matter. <laughs> I do myself, especially like in my adult life, I think 
they're laying in their bed in the morning and they're like, oh, I don't want to go to work, stuff like that. But then you're like, especially on Wednesdays, I used to have a lot of my treatments on Wednesdays. And I saw someone, someone else say this. They're just like, don't be annoyed that you're putting your coat on and going to work because there's another person probably putting their coat on and heading out to treatment. I try to try to remember that. Like, like it's it's a privilege in a way to to be able to go to work, to be able to drive a car, to be able to to text your friends, stuff like that. It's, it's weird to think how far I had, to, how far back I was, I guess, in in thinking then. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's stories that friends and family tell you now that you're like, like help remind you of how far you've come. Yeah. It's bad, but I, I did this thing where I, I literally remember some of it. I don't remember at all. I just, I bit people. Um, and I was just like, I didn't do that. And they're like, we have pictures to prove it. Like we have bite marks. People will tell me now, like, do you know, you called me this one time? And I'm like, no, um, they were like, yeah, you called and like said all this weird stuff. And then you were like, I gotta go. Like you had somewhere to be. And they were just like, we couldn't really understand what you were saying, but I think the biting was one of those things because like people, like it'd be, it wouldn't be just one person. It was like probably like 10 people that were like, yeah, you bit me. And I'm just like, I'm sorry about that. I guess that's true, (laughs) but I don't remember that. Right. And you don't, you don't feel like you had a choice in it, right? You didn't make a decision. Oh, today I'm just going to go out and, you know. (laughs) You want a few people, really a symptom of what was happening in your brain. Your systems kind of went haywire as a result of the cancer cells. Drawing back more big picture though. So Emily, you've been through a lot of things that most 20-year-olds have not been. And you've already said like one of the things you learned is like the small stuff, like it's really not a big deal. Are there things that you learned that you are really kind of are glad that you learned just one of those things like don't downplay stuff which I definitely still do downplay stuff and try to try I guess in a way like hide certain things because like I don't want to make a big deal about it but either like I either I will be like I know that's a big deal but I like I don't want to like fuss about it or like make people worry about it or whatever like if something's happening to you don't downplay and just be like oh yeah I'm fine if you see something I guess that you don't like or experiencing something you don't like like do something about it in my professional life I'm not a fan of my job right now like some things you can't choose like you can't choose that you're diagnosed with cancer or anything like that but you can choose your job to an extent and if something like that if you can change it like do it like try to make a change like many young adults diagnosed with cancer there are many different chapters to their stories join us for future episodes of life on pause as we investigate different chapters and different experiences of being a young adult with cancer thanks for listening to life on pause ideas or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.